Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Welcome to Crunch Time. Strong lead made by Revolt. He's got it! Jack Revolt then will kick from a comfortable distance. And it's on its way. It's there. Brioli to Cochin had no time to make a decision. Somehow got it loose. And Edwards kicks an end-on-end goal that bounces truly. Arcs around now. He full Florent the man in the market. Slow to full forward. Knocked away into the arms of Edwards. Who almost always capitalises. That's his second. And the Tigers are rampant right now. They've kicked six in a row. He kicks to Franklin. He takes the mark. This is their best passage of play as he arcs around from 65 out to lift the Swans on a Friday night as only Buddy Franklin can. Kicks the half forward. Franklin flies against the couple. Brought it to ground. Papley's roving. Gives it to Franklin. He'll get it onto the left boot and he will get raptures around the SCG. Hand pass to Parker. Off to Gildan. Here comes Buddy. This would give them the lead. And it does! A nod, an arm raised. The best dressed fans in footy are ecstatic on a special night. Buddy Franklin inspires a stirring Sydney comeback to run down Richmond's on an incident-packed night at the SCG in a result that could prove far-reaching over the course of the season. Laddam's got his hand to it. Prestia edged it to the back. Siren will beat the play. He might have played 50 because yeah. he kicked it away after a free right. kick. So has Richmond been oh, paid no. a free kick and 50? Can't be 50. They could because it's technical. He couldn't have heard the free kick, okay? It's just common sense, okay? Celebratory kick into the crowd. Prestia's free kick, but he's too far out to do anything about it. No, I, I don't know. I heard there was a holding free kick paid, so um, at the same time as a siren, so I don't know what happened. That's. You'd have, to, you'd have to probably ask someone else, but that's what I heard. So. Not my job. There's people on the ground that make those decisions, and oh, I'm not too sure. Like We're probably a little bit the same as everyone else. We weren't quite sure how it was going to unfold, so I'll leave that up to you guys to find out or figure out. What do you think should happen? Oh, it's irrelevant. Not so zen the morning after, Damien Hardwick takes aim at the notion of common sense. Amid the blazing controversy on the final siren, what do the rules say? regarding a 50-metre penalty. Correct me if I'm wrong, I'd like to know one positive list management move they've made in the last four or five years. Are you suggesting they go at North Melbourne two stats base? Is that the the intel you... Well, 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 their list manager is from Champion Data. He spent 20 years there, Glenn Luff, so I would think that's an element that they saw as a strength of of his. Well, the team that recruited Jason North Francis have just quit. That's the setback (laughs) for North Melbourne at the moment. Can you believe it? They've been rocked by a triple resignation from their recruiting department. So that's Mark Finnegan, Glenn Luff and Ben Berthes. All three have quit. All three have quit because, guys, they are deeply 
be satisfied with the management and uh, the state of play at North Melbourne. Now, my understanding, Ed, is that Glenn Luff has resigned as a direct result of what happened on Footy Classified on Monday night, which speaks to the disenchantment and paranoia at North Melbourne at the moment. I've spoken to all three guys, and I think that internally we've got a really clear plan. So there's some reasons around why that actually looks like, but we're probably where we should be in the sense of our build. Um, as we sit here today, we are probably a bit short, I would say. We're probably a bit short in terms of the growth and development. And if you take that mentality that we should pick up from where we left off, you go, well, it's probably a bit disappointing. And the concession that things aren't quite on schedule at North Melbourne as the rebuild takes a critical hit. The issues of the week and the footy to come, it's all in the Round 11 edition of Crunch Time. A pulsating night of footy, an incident-packed game, a blazing controversy at the final siren. That's when Friday night footy is at its absolute best. It's perfect for the modern age of social media, and it is great radio discussion the morning after. Jared Waitley with you. Dermot Burton is with me. Hello, Good Dermot. morning. That, that was entertaining. <laughs> that, well, so, some people say uh, you, you're glued to your set from the first to the final siren and some. Uh, I'm still bewildered whether we had the right decision made. At the time, I thought, oh, this is ridiculous. We all heard the siren. The more I analyse it, the more I think we got it wrong. <laughs> I just don't know where it sits. The answer has to be in the rules, does it not? How can we I have a game thought where so. the not I would have thought rules. so. So you can be reported up to midnight. So if I see... Uh, but Sanderson, we haven't intro- you haven't introduced Sando yet. But if we play against each other, which we did, and I see you out in a nightclub, <laughs> 9.30 that night. Actually, no, we didn't go out till 11 p.m. in those days. And and you give me a clip and I whack you back. We both get reported. Yep. The game doesn't stop just at the final siren. <laughs> so does, does the 50 metre not stop at the final siren? Is that true? So after the siren, a free kick can still be – after the final siren, a free kick can still be paid? Or you, you during the – I would imagine if, if somebody clipped somebody a second after the final siren, play has stopped. But I don't think the, it's dead. Yeah, it is. Are you sure? Yep. Well, geez, don't challenge Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm still welcome. Thanks, Jared. Obviously, you're right with like at quarter time, and you know you were famous for incidents <laughs> between the breaks. But um, oh, yeah, I think when when plays dead, it's dead. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward, Jared, to seeing you guys um, debate this. Obviously, I've got a role at the AFL and umpiring, and I can't wait to see you guys have a crack at this so this morning. Plays finish, but is the game dead? Yep. Oh, you're emphatic, aren't you? Yeah, no, it is. You are the most emphatic so I've spoken to in the last 12 hours. No, so I'm not saying – no, just to your broader point. Yeah. So not specific to this 50 just yet, which we will get to. Yeah. But if 10 seconds after the siren sounds, you snot me, I can't get a free kick for it. Yeah. That would seem a little disjointed, wouldn't it? A little far from yeah. – but in, gen, in that passage of play, because the free kick has been – so the final siren goes, but the free kick's – paid within play yep. and then the ball is chunked into the stand 
in technical terms, you could say, allowing more Richmond players, uh, Swans players to get between the kicker and the goal square, isn't that? So do you think it was a delay of game? Oh, too many questions. No, but, but, but this is, you, you have to um, actually get down to the tactics you know of because of the position of on the ground. Because of the position on the ground where the free kick was, no. Yeah, but should that have any bearing? So whether within, it's a this is where if you if we want our answer within the rules, yep, it, it doesn't constitute a delay of game, and the fifty meters is actually for the delay of game. It's not for disobedience, or it's for delay of game. And this wouldn't constitute that. Plus, there's a complicating factor. Disobedience, but we're paying free kicks for disobedience. But this this specifically in the way that it's written, it's not for disobedience. It's for delay of game. Have you got one of the – you sound like you've been into the rule book overnight. Rule book or not. (laughs) Did you bring it in? Let's decipher this. I'll read it for you. But there's a couple of complicating factors here is that Sam Edmund, welcome. Oh no, don't! I'm just <laughs> don't bother me. I'm enjoying this. Hey, I was going to kick back and listen. So the free kick is paid by the out of zone umpire, which is incredibly relevant. It's not John Howarth on the spot who pay, pays the holding free kick. It's yes. Matt Stevick over on the left of screen. So the players have no possibility of knowing as that whistle blows from over there. It's clearer for us than it is for them. Mm. Warner's got no possibility of hearing that whistle. The siren sounds, and it's a celebratory kick into the stands. That's all. Yes, we understand all that. It's different to how it's painted on the spot right there with the players blowing the whistle that you would hear it. So I just think if you take it face value that this was a celebratory kick into the stands with no knowledge that there had been a free kick made, and it happened so quickly... I just don't see how mm. it's a, how it constitutes. Do, so when we so does does Chad Warner know what he's doing when he kicks it into the stand? Does he know a free kick's been played? Of course he does. So that that's so he that, knows it's a free kick against him. So so what? You think he knows a free kick's been given to Dion Presti when he kicks it in the row no. double Z? No, he knows what he's doing. What, he's celebrating with the the punt into the set. Yeah, but he's not doing it knowing that a free kick's been played. Okay, what we have in this, and I am, and I'm, I actually am really solid on this. We are the only sport in the world who feels sorry for players. So the ball, in our adjudication, the ball gets touched off the boot. Everybody on earth knows it's touched off the boot. I've been playing in games when I know it's touched off the boot. Somebody marks it from our team, the opposition team, and they pretend not to hear the touched play on, touched play on. They get gobbled up in a tackle. They lay there like a stunned mullet. And we say, no, give it to me. He probably didn't hear it. The other 37 on here did, but he probably didn't. So let's call it quits and ball it up. And that's we are the only sport in the world who feels sorry for somebody who don't hear who but doesn't he, hear? Yeah. You give him the benefit of the doubt, though, Chad. Warner, but though. once again, you're you're making an assumption here on the rule. Well, the free kick's been paid, as Jared says, what sixty, seventy meters away. The siren's that gone uh, like it, that. It, it does matter as to whether Put Warner this, know, whether the players know it's a free I'll, kick. I'll that, ask that the question. Is very relevant. I'll ask the, the question a different. I'll ask the question a different way, then. If yeah, Chad, if Chad take some convincing on that. But if Chad sorry, Warner knew, if Chad Warner knew the free kick had been paid, would he have? Kicked it up into the second tier. No, uh, I'll, I'll answer that two ways. No, he wouldn't have. But does that have relevance? Do, whether you know the free kick's paid or not, the free kick has been paid. 50 metre penalties get assessed like that all the time, though, don't they? Whether a player has heard the whistle or not. There's a benefit of the doubt overlay always given to these sort of things. Aren't once, they? once again, we've got two sets of rule depending on the. On the on the mo- emotion going at the time. No, it depends on the knowledge on the ground. 
Um, She's I've been around this for forty five years, yeah, and I didn't know. But the answer, <laughs> the bit about it, the answer has to be in the rules. It just has to be. You can't have a game where either decision is okay in that instance. The the answer has to be based in the rules and the siding in the end. I the rules. And you you've said, and I'm taking you on face value. You said you've read the rules yep. right now. If there's a free kick awarded and that player is entitled to take that free kick, and let's say, what was he going to be, 95 metres out? Yep. Approximately? If he kicked a tumble punt end over end and somehow it miraculously ran on, it's not out of the realms of possibility that it might get somewhere. And you wasted time so you could get, 17 opponents between the kicker yes. and the goal line. And so your point is, if it delays or impedes the game, it's absolutely a 50-metre penalty. Yeah. I just but you're saying it was that, an accidental kicking of the crowd because fit, of celebration. I can't get that to fit those circumstances mm. last night. Yeah, I'm saying what I'm saying then, in opposition to that, is we're making these rules malleable, yeah, I'll say it, to common sense. <laughs> But should they be malleable like that? The, the act of kicking the ball into the stand isn't the 50-metre penalty. I think that's the differentiation. That act is not the 50. It has to constitute a delay of game, and it's after the siren. There if is. It, but he had a free kick, so the game's still continuing. Not when Warner after kicked the, the ball into the stand. But, he's, but there's been a free kick awarded, so the play will still go for one kick. So the, so the, the final siren has gone. Time has elapsed. The game hasn't finished. That's where I would say the technicality is. Yep. So let's listen. Okay. Okay. As this clear is great. As we Bloody can get interesting. It. It is. <laughs> it's like great. The, the game gives us so much. This is such I, good audio. This, this is the best finish since the since Rampy up the post uh, of the debate, and that <laughs> yeah. lasted an entire week. week. Yeah. It did here's too. It here's did the umpire too. audio. Yeah. So we applied the we feel sorry for him, he couldn't have heard rule. No, I don't, I don't think that's it. it. It's impractical to have heard. I'm agreeing with you there. I'm supplying the opposition yeah. to it. If we want to get technical, because I don't think the match is finished. Time is yeah. finished. No, no, but the technical has to be in the rule. It, it has to It has to be in the rule to be a 50-metre penalty. But it's not technical so it because apply? it was the umpire's interpretation that it wasn't fair because he didn't hear the siren. Yeah, uh, yeah. He didn't hear mm. the whistle. Yeah, I think the umpires usually allow for a gap as to the willful delay or impeding of the game. And there is no gap here. Do you think there will be people at Richmond today who will swear black and blue that this was the incorrect decision? Oh, 100%. Do you think there will be neutral supporters such as myself who think this is possibly the wrong interpretation? Yes. So we need an answer. 
Like My the, word the, the, game, the game deserves an answer yeah. and it should be provided. And so I, that and Dion's got a kick from 45 to 50 metres anyway so at the end. It's not sort of at that not, stage. No, it's not as if he's lining up from the middle the, of the goal square. The, the best genre of tweet, though, <laughs> is the Damien Hardwick cold light of day tweet where he's, he has taken aim at the common sense. So Zen last night. Yeah. Bit less so having heard the audio. Irrelevant, he said last night. And this morning, I mean, I don't know how many senior coaches have a Twitter account to them. And those that do might be the old burner accounts on the slide. But Damien Hardwick not only has one, <laughs> he's using a, GIFs as well. He's give got it a to us. Give <laughs> it to us. Have you got it there? It Are you allowed says, to read it out? Common sense. Sorry. What? And it's a it's a dog GIF sort of, you know. Yeah, the head tilting its head side, not working out what's going with, on with curiosity. Mm. <laughs> this is this mm. is our, this is from the guy who told us to put our positive pants on a little bit more often in the morning. <laughs> Sando, you're very quiet here. Well, I was going to ask you, Derm. I was going to ask you if the 50 meter penalty was paid and Prestia goes back and slots the goal. Yeah. Uh, which one are you more at rage with, <laughs> A or B? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I am I am completely neutral here. Yeah. And wanting the but, but one thing I have uh, have to say I've always found it obscene that we feel sorry for players because they don't hear whistles and yeah. I, I, we're the only sport elite sport in the world where umpires take into account I feel sorry for that fellow. There is a rough comparison here. And you've only got to go back to round six. I'll be testing you here. But there's vision of it because Fremantle supporters have provided it readily this morning. Yeah, right. It's halftime. It's Essendon and Fremantle at Marvel Stadium. Remember this game because Fremantle ran all over the top yep, of the bombers. went over. Yep. Yep. They're in the news all week. Sam Switkowski is paid a free kick in the dying seconds of halftime for holding the ball on the boundary line. Siren goes. Essendon players taking the free kick. It's on the broadcast side, centre wing, inconsequential free kick until Sam Switkowski rolls the ball away, throws it away. Umpire says, that's 50. You've thrown the ball away. It's a free kick already paid prior to the siren going. Come with me. Essendon have a shot after the siren. But the controlling umpire makes the call in that instance, which is key. It's far less chaotic. And there's probably a five-second gap between the siren going and Swikowski rolling the ball away. Compare that to last night. Yeah. Crowd going troppo. Controlling umpire 80 metres away. The kick into the crowd a second barely after the siren going. So they're different, but certainly that's the comparison doing mm. the rounds at the I'd moment. I'd need to see that again yeah. just to get the feel I for it. I can arrange that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 we can sort that. <laughs> I'm sure you so can. So, Sam, what do we know from the AFL today? It's We are beyond 11 o'clock the morning after. It is more than 12 hours. They have released a statement to us, Jared, here on Crunch Time, saying the AFL confirms the decision late in last night's match to not pay a 50-metre penalty was correct. The free kick to Richmond player Prestia was correctly paid by the non-controlling umpire in the centre of the ground. And almost immediately after the free kick was paid, the siren sounded. The umpires then made the correct call in not applying a 50-metre penalty against Swans player Warner. Given the immediacy of the free being paid, the siren sounding and the ball being kicked into the crowd. And that's the conclusion of the statement. It was highly unlikely that we're going to say anything else. No. No, perhaps. But that speaks to exactly what Jared's saying around common sense prevailing around non-controlling umpires, the immediacy of the siren, the fact that they are applying a layer of common sense or benefit of the doubt that Chad Warner didn't know the free kick was paid. We're getting on more so. To continue on with that, we are getting some absolutely light free kicks. I don't mind. 
if you keep going down this path, but be consistent. Um, who was it? It was Rioli. I hate it when blokes run up and and fell someone to the ground after they've given away a free kick. Um, what's his name did it in the, for Sydney in the first quarter? Wicks. Yeah, Wicks did. Yeah, that's a stupid reverse. I mean, that's just that should be stamped out. But when Rioli sort of just. That wouldn't knock the top off a rice custard. Went past his opponent, and they gave <laughs> prohibited contact. Yeah, yeah. Now, take note. That's that's not a free kick in my book. I don't like seeing it. Back in the old days, that was self-policed, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Somebody yeah. did that, you and just the umpire square up with them. Yeah, and the umpire, they turned. If you squared up with them, somebody turned to the umpire, and the umpire genuinely would look at them and go. Yeah, but you had that coming. <laughs> they talk to you like humans. Um, it's it, keep it consistent. If it's going to be that, keep it consistent, so we can all we can all gauge on it. Yeah, yeah. Let's not pay those. The consistent. Let's consistently not pay those. Um, <laughs> that's my, not what I said, but no, that's your call. My okay. disappointment is that I feel like Matt Stevick had that situation totally under control last night. And he, he is he's the voice. He's yeah. paid the free kick. He knows the circumstances. He knows his positioning. And he's not with us this morning. It's, I think this is so easily sorted. If Matt comes on and just walks us through the sequence of events, this is what happened. This is how I adjudicated on it. And I think we would all go, yeah, yeah, Matt Stevick had this. Mm. And he's, he's mm. applied the laws as they are in the moment. I, I'm I'm profoundly disappointed that we don't have him on this morning. We tried. Yeah. We tried. And I, the, the best way is to actually tell us what yep. the rule is, how it's applied, and how the senior umpire on the spot, who I suspect got it 100% right, why he did what he did. Things weren't always better in yesteryear. Far from it. But they used to have the, the uh, on the old... Champion world of sport. They had what was it? What's your decision? What's your decision? And an umpire would come in and he'd deliberate and, well, and talk you through. And a lot of us learnt the finer details of what was and what wasn't a technical free kick. So I think there's merit in that, saying that perhaps Matt could have put himself up or the AFL. Yeah. Let's not put it on Matt. Let's no, just Richo put it squarely or, or, on headquarters. Yeah, yeah, City Hall. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trust your guy. Mm. He got it right. He's Trust him to tell the football world what was going on. Thoroughly intelligent man. I think he'd acquit himself capably. <laughs> what a game. What, what it, so we'll get to the game. But, I mean, there's so much in the game, <laughs> not game. the least of which is Lance Franklin going to get suspended after turning in a match. And we'll tag Sando in. Yes, at, at the moment, <laughs> the just moment, on Lance. We're not paying him at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> just on, on Lance. Uh, we'll come back to it. Does, Go on. Okay, I thought the kid Gibbs, uh, Gibbs, I thought he absolutely torched Lance in the first half. Didn't that swing on his head in the second oh, half? Yeah. yeah. Once Franklin threw whatever he threw, <laughs> that ignited things. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism. Rewards wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. Damp saw Oh, oh he's just clouded Cotchin. He half pulled the punch, but he made enough contact. It's quite a moment. <laughs> at his because, peak huddle. Yeah. And Franklin's getting thrashed at that stage. He's not part of the game. Uh, I was watching and thought, he's frustrated. Yeah. And it's Before minute, that. It's Before a minute 43 to go in the quarter. Yeah. And then with a vengeance, he takes this huge contested mark, which he doesn't normally take. And that's the start of things. Yeah. I, I Sitting there watching it with my partner, and I said before, knowing Lance personally, I thought, 
He's seriously frustrated here. This kid, Gipkis, is playing him beautifully. Not engaging in body, and he's tall and he's got reach. Lance doesn't like being played from behind if the ball isn't on the short hit-up lead. And Gipkis played it beautifully. But after that moment, uh, Trent Cotchin, I thought, he he's going to try and run into Cotchin here and draw a 50 or draw a free kick downfield. He did, but then he retaliated. It was compelling viewing, right, at that moment. Yeah. yeah. Will he get suspended, Sam? Oh, I think he will. It's hard to see, no matter what way you slice and dice it, that he pulls on the boots next weekend. So frustratingly, isn't it? The moment of impact is obscured, but it might not matter. I mean, you can't definitively say if it's closed fist or open hand or half open or half closed. The, the head of Cochin does rock back, and it is high. So it's intentional. It is high. It's a matter of whether they deem it to be low or medium impact for mine. If it is low, then it's a one-match ban, and that might be a generous assessment. If it is medium, and Trent Cotchin, probably luckily for Lance, doesn't flop and fall over. I think most players probably would have been rocked onto their onto their backsides. If it is medium impact, then that's two matches. I mean, coming off five can't goals, be I, can't, I can't see... Even medium if, at least is to go to ground yeah. and then get up and nothing wrong. So, low impact, he misses the game against Melbourne after kicking five, which is a shame, but I, I can't see how he how he gets away with it scot-free. The only way he gets away with it is insufficient force, which is a stretch. Yeah, once again, this year... He's lucky that that action is in this era because the intent is there to strike somebody high. That's that's one of the... the, the, the indiscrepancies of this uh, law in this era. It's it's He wanted to hit him high. Yeah, so it doesn't matter whether it's a closed fist or an mm. open hand. He struck him. Yeah. The, the charge is striking, and there's no question. Out of he play. Struck him. He yeah. struck him. Although if he had Barry Hall's advocate from 2006, you could say he's in Hall when he struck Moose Maguire when he was just trying to off the ball make position. <laughs> Interesting byplay between the two of them all night, all wasn't right. it? All well, night. That's the first question I asked you this morning. Is there a history between those two? Because they were they were at each other all night like cats mm. and dogs. It was fantastic. Yeah, but Cochin placed himself, oh, I thought, yeah. Yeah, beautifully. Yeah. And it, I thought Cochin and Nankervis were the two best on ground in the first half. Nankervis had seven tackles at half time, And he was a big, bruising, brutal, say this in the right Way, Toby, if you listen, mongrel in the first half. Mm. Now, uh, um, and Trent Cotchin was winning ball and just doing the, the Richmond thing of three years ago. Every time he could just get the ball in motion, Richmond's way, he took the ground. Under tackle, bang, out the front side of the pack, toe poke it. And then he placed himself on the back of the square when Sydney had the ball coming forward and he stood in the way. He yeah, was like I... a, a defender dropping back. He was as brave as brave could be. I knew you'd raise it. I'm, I'm looking forward to Sando's point of view on this too. I, my, my mouth, my jaw was on the floor. I had to rewatch that moment from Trent Cochin going back to, to intercept that buddy lead about 10 times. I could not believe that was tough, wasn't the it? bravery. Genuinely I could tough. not believe it. Yeah, that was fantastic. I mean, he's, and, and got up straight away and just yeah. ran. Like he had a little roll of the shoulder. Like that would have yeah. he got that would been a stinger, right? Like that yeah. was, that and was courageous. Blood running down the back oh, of the neck. And yeah. like, that was, un- I just couldn't get my head around how insanely brave that was. Well, they were fantastic last night, Richmond, really. And I mean, even at half time, and I think that's what Damien Harbour will show in the review. He'll show... 30 seconds before half time, boys, here we are 33 points up. Richmond will never lose a game from here. We've, we've, in the last seven or eight years, we've taken a lead like that in a half time. We go on and win that comfortably. So I, I still think they were great, Richmond. You know, obviously Lynch out, they had to play Soldo. 
you know, a little bit differently last night. And then Curvis was great to him, as you said. His battle with Laddams was excellent. Um, but oh, I just love the speed of Richmond, the way that they can spread. And that was so exciting ahead of the ball. You know, players like Bolton, yeah. um, you know, Dusty playing a little short. bit closer to goal. Oh, short, yeah, short, yeah, such a good, good player. Wasn't he? Yeah. So Nankervis finished with nine tackles. Yep. I Six didn't think he was. Nankervis, yeah, yeah, he physically wasn't that imposing beast in the second half that he was yep. in the first. And, and and the stats will probably show that Trent had a great game all the way through. But I rated his game like a nine out of ten in the first half, and probably would have given him six and a half, maybe a seven in the second half. Yep. They just came off, whether it is age and fitness, the ability to run out the game for those two, which lead the way physically for that team, and does the rest follow in or not follow in behind them? Mm. I mean, yeah, they've never been a brittle team, but it, it was just, to me, that was two players that couldn't go the distance on their brilliant first half. They, they only had a very good well, second half. they defended half. the yeah. Swans so well in the yeah. first half, Richmond, and this is the thing that will be disappointing for... Hardwick is they allowed Sydney to get back to that game style that's won them games earlier in the year. That those those D fifty chains they allowed in the second half. So they kicked ten of the final thirteen goals. The Swans, um, and as I said before, Richmond just don't do that. There hasn't been um, a common uh, thread for them for a long time. Like they had that game under control, exactly how they wanted it. Really well coached, structurally they set up perfectly, and then they allowed the Swans to do exactly what they've been trying to do all season. Allow that run and carry. D50 chain game, um, and obviously Franklin just lit up after you know, he had three possessions to halftime on young Gibkus. Sydney, six goals from 36 entries in the first half. Yep. Second half, 10 goals from 24. Mm. Yeah. So, and I was looking around at... Papley had four touches. I think he had his fifth just before halftime, but it was in the back half of the ground. They just couldn't hold the ball in there, and when yeah. they were kicking points, they just couldn't, well, couldn't Durham, keep the ball in there. In the first half, Richmond kick 11 goals from 22 inside 50s. Yeah. Right? The, the moves made, uh, John Longmire puts Mills back as that sort of floating seventh defender. Uh, Richmond then kick one goal in the third quarter from 14 inside 50s. Yeah. So it completely changed the game. So when you look at the chess pieces moving and the coaches making adjustments to what's needed, um, long, long wide pulls the right card. He, he, he puts Mills behind the ball. He was influential, stops their run. Um, and then and the opposite number at the other end was broad. He, yep. he was, yeah, and they he was more of that. Uh, it's, it's funny. It's how you can play two extra defenders uh, differently, two, two defenders, one on each side, uh, differently. So Mills never really went to pick up somebody. Yep. He just played that freewheeling Jake Lever-style yep, extra right. defender, whereas Broad was start, you know, in general play, when the ball's between the 250s, was the most times was that extra defender, but he was a slide defender. Yeah, that's right. So if something would happen the ball come down one side. He'd slide over there to pick up the oncoming player and then it, it was, you know, Tarrant would become the extra defender. So they always had one of three different players was the extra defender and, and, and it worked better for Sydney. Mills always taking that space of being the extra defender instead of the well, slide. It was, it was such him. a brave call from the coach's box. Something had to be done. The Swans, obviously going into this game, had only won one of their last four. There's six goals down at half time. They take their best midfielder out of the midfield and put him behind the ball. It's a gutsy call mm. and it's paid off. They've won by six points. Uh, they kicked 10 of the last 13 goals. And, you know, part of that's Franklin. He was exceptional in the second half, three goals in the last quarter. He kicked beautifully in the second half too, yeah. which 
I mean, the, the amount of shots they had in that first half and the amount of entries and they could only get six and they kicked poorly. Do you reckon one of the coaches, Derms, just just walked up to Franklin at halftime and said, you've only had three disposals I re- at halftime? <laughs> I, I a, reckon on a, Lance on a, is... On a rookie. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Lance, Lance is one of these... He's... I won't... And I mean this in the right terms. He'll see his own legend forming and he would hate the fact himself that a 19-year-old kid in his first full season has not beaten him at halftime, really yeah. put him to the sword, really taken the greatest forward we've seen since Carey yep. out, of the, out of this competition. And I reckon that had a fair play emotionally. I mean, he's like most key forwards, he's got a fair ego, Lance, and to do that to him, yeah, that's, that's going to give him some motivation Somewhat more. Still, yeah. It's it's six straight to three six in the last quarter though. So Richmond had their chances. We're talking about it off air. When you see Dustin Martin step that defender and yeah, shape up for the snap, misses, you yep. think you put your glasses down. Yeah, that's going in. Bolton, yeah. Edwards, Bolton, Martin. From four points down, Jeez. they have four great looks. Yeah, they do. And they it was there. Yeah, like Bolton's missed from the right forward pocket. Like he's been gobbling those yeah. up all year. Well, I cannot recall seeing Dusty miss by that much. And and having said that. I think Richmond have done pretty well out of Dusty, so it's yeah. not, not hanging yeah, out there. I'll tell you what is interesting, though, Derm. They have the buy now, Richmond, which is the classic reset. That's when you obviously evaluate your season to this point. They're 6-5, and five, the Tigers. So they're back in some good form, and obviously last night they could have gone either way. They play Port. Are they really 6-5? and five? Yep. Port, Carlton, Ooh. and Geelong after the mm. buy. That's a really interesting three-game stretch for them, and it will dictate how serious we're going to treat Richmond, I think, in the second half of the year. I said I thought Richmond more my smoky. If something happened yep. in Melbourne at the start of the year, I thought Richmond could be good. And I based it on the fact that own personal experience with Hawthorne in 91, we reloaded and again, guess what we were at the 11 game mark? Six, Six and, and five. five. Yep. And reloaded and won the premiership. Well, that's, other, that's spooky. <laughs> <laughs> there was one other element of last night that Damien Hardwick lamented in his press conference, and that was the free kicks that his side give away. So the, the whistle did mm. blow 61 times last night, which is a lot, but this is not about the umpires. It was relatively even anyway, 31-30. But he did lament some really costly ones last night and put it back on his own side. So in terms of free kick differential, they rank last this year, Richmond. They ranked last last year. They ranked second last in 2020, second last in 2018, last in 2017. It's not – we've seen this movie before. What is it about that side? Aggressive tackling teams give away free kicks. But generally – They teams, go to the tackle so much. You see how often yeah. players slide and slip under tackles. A tackling team, you lay enough tackles, you stop the opposition moving the ball and you, you pressure them. But the, 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 the giveaway from that is – you end up yeah. in in the odds are you give away more free kicks. I think also too, Sam, they are second to the ball too often. Like they're they're, they're a little bit one paced in the midfield, and mm. I say that with obviously Prestia and Cochin. And during their premiership era, they never really it's off it. turnover. Yeah, yeah, so it's they didn't mind losing clearance mm. because they were so good behind the ball. A bit like Geelong through that patch, you know, oh mm. seven, oh nine, twenty eleven with that great back line. Even if you lost clearance. You'd get the ball back. You'd, you'd lose 30 metres from clearance, but, but gain the 180 metres going the other way. Yeah, they're yeah. so good with the ball, aren't they? Yeah, the yeah. 6 6 now, 
I don't think they're as comfortable losing centre bounce. Oh, they're not. No, yeah. they're not. Yeah. Uh, it's a curiosity anyway. It's a, that was, it's a, there was some wildly undisciplined stuff last yeah. night from both teams. Both teams, yeah. So if anyone goes to 61, you, you actually have to work your way back through that. There's there's a dozen free kicks that teams don't give away. That they get, some mm. of the stuff that Nan Curvis and Laddams were doing is Grimes, Grimes. What just about Grimes over Franklin. Ridiculous yeah. wicks you mentioned. Yeah. Um, Bolt- Nan Curvis is, is – he's – Seventy-five percent the way there to Shane Mumford. Yeah, he's he's professionally clumsy, yeah. Yeah. and I reckon it's fantastic because <laughs> he, he, people just say, "Well, there's Nank. Just, we'll just, just give me a nolly here. Through you go. <laughs> just raise the tackles have been down this year, but there were a lot last night. They're just coming back yeah. quickly. Seventy-two they laid Richmond, so the Swans back on fifty-six. It was a real physical game, wasn't it? Any correlation between the number of free kicks and the high scoring? So two games out of three, the last three games we've seen sixty-three kicks, free kicks in the Brisbane Hawthorne game, and they both topped the ton. 61 free kicks last night, and they both topped the mm. ton. As if it happens again, we have ourselves a trend. Jared we Healy thinks, to. Jared yeah. Healy thinks free kicks are, that you keep paying free kicks when they're there, and it's actually stimulating for the game. Well, the thing I liked about last night, it was just free-flowing, open footy. It was up and down the ground. It was such a good spectacle to watch. It was such an entertaining game of footy. And it could have gone either way. We know that now, but... Um, God, footy's in a good spot, right? Like, it's so much fun to watch games like that last night. And you're right, Jared. the 22 tackles in their forward 50, Richmond, they dialed up the pressure. So it was, it was bash and crash style. Two teams um, who were desperate to win. And we've got an absolute classic. The rider on that is, once again, the first team to 100 wins. Now, that is a true theory. Because by the time you get to 100 points, if it is in the back part of the fourth quarter, both teams are so fatigued, it's hard to catch up. The opposite to that is if a team makes it to 100 inside three quarters, <laughs> there's plenty of time left. And one team's not having a go and therefore can have a go in the last quarter. But it only happens 3% of the time. It was, un- it was nearly a redundant stat as they don't get there anymore. <laughs> but we've had it twice <laughs> in three games, Dermot. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. It's a Friday night game that's going to be spoken about all the way through the weekends with the incident on the final siren. Lance Franklin, who'll learn his fate later this afternoon when the MRO does his work and the trajectories of both teams. So just a, a closing word. So Sydney win... They go, uh, they go to seven, seven wins, and yep. uh, they have Melbourne. So it's probably just as well that they did win. Yep, they um, go, they what, go Melbourne, the bye, and then Port Adelaide, St Kilda after the bye. So it doesn't get any easier for them either. It's, uh, it's just a great season. Every game feels like it's, it obviously is imperative that you just keep winning. Simple as that. What does it tell us about their trajectory last night after they wobbled a bit over the past four weeks? I looked at it and I, th- I saw Ollie Florent playing in the back line. And to me, it said about Sydney, hey, we've got young kids we're giving, you know, 21, 22-year-olds time to. We And we've lost Josh Kennedy. I think Josh would have come back into the middle given the way they've been beaten a bit up, uh, beaten up a little in the middle of the ground of recent times. So I think they're trying to say... 
let's go back to what is our DNA. Win the footy in the middle of the ground again. And I think they all, was it plus one or minus one for contested possession last night at the end of the game? Yeah, it was pretty even. Only plus one to Richmond. Plus one. And, and, and clearances would have been roughly the same. Plus I think. four, Richmond. Plus four. So they yep. did really well by yep. that account. So I think they're probably addressing, hey, we need some really hardened bodies in there. And Warner had a fantastic game as well. So I think, yeah, the Swans got a few things to fix up. They they desperately have to address their first halves. Well, it feels like there's a group of chasers. So St Kilda, Carlton, Geelong, Bulldogs, Richmond. It feels like they're still trying to get to get Melbourne to and group. Brisbane. Yep. You know, yeah. that's yeah. that's sort of how I see it at the midway point, mm. that there's this great group of chasers that are just going to provide these classic games as they try and – you know, qualify for top four. You've got to be top four if you're gonna if you're gonna be a chance at this year's premiership. Yep. I think. Yep. On Wednesday night, the mid-season draft, which is really going to have no impact on the course of the season, but it is the right moment to pose the question: If there was a mid-season trade, if that chasing group oh, had yep. the capacity to, to add a player, so to trade away their future for the right now to see if they could make mm. ground philosophically, where are you on that? I I love the notion that. Let's give people a chance to play. I don't like the fact that we have rules that stop players from playing at the highest level. Uh, and I just threw it up in the break before talking to Sando. Uh, the kid I know is Hayden McLean. Is at Sydney now. He's been, he's now through no not no bad form. Um, they're going with um, uh, McDonald as the second or third tall forward. Hayden McLean would get picked up by the Bulldogs tomorrow. In yep. a mid-season draft or or exchange, if that was allowed to be, um, and that would allow him to play senior football right at this next weekend. It can be it can be win-win. So a, a side um, who's looking for an extra first-round pick in the next year who aren't going to qualify can give yep. up an experienced player who's going to go to a contender or a chaser. Yep. Because um, it's it's normally the the big men, right? It's normally the rucks, the key position forward or defender um, mm. that you. You know, you potentially could give up to get another first round pick in next year. But I know the Players Association have always been against it, Jared. But if you've got a player, like you said, Derm, who's open to it and the club are open to it. Why? Why, why have they always been against it? Uh, well, they they feel like it's uh, for the player, it's to be told if you're obviously you're, um, you're established in yep. Melbourne and you get told, okay, tomorrow you're moving to Sydney. Yeah. And you pack up and off off you go, which is I know professional sport around the world, but but clearly the, those players will be in contract and still have the whip hand. But I know they can be pressured and yeah. Well, I think it's always been the players would say I'd I'd rather stay where yeah. I am. But I think if if there was consenting club and player, then I, I would say do it. Aren't they great conversations when we start the sentence with if? Yeah. <laughs> um, you go through those the mid year draft just just a draft uh, um, intake period. trade period and. You take into account two years ago the way that the the, the, the Jamari Eugle Hagen draft where he went number one, and not just because I see the kid and watch him each weekend. How good has the boy Jai Newcomb been, who missed out, been picked up in that draft? If you redo that draft again, he's going top ten. That's that's an enormous win for whoever dropped their cap on the table and said, "Let's." Pick up this fellow here. He, he changed the rules too, John Newcomb, when it comes to comes to the mid season trade mm, period. Can't yeah. nominate your terms anymore like they did with him. The four year deal. Like, who's this kid on a four year deal from Poowong? What's going on here? Poowong. Well, he was playing at Boxing. No, I know he was. Yeah, I know yeah. he was. But that, I mean, that shows you that the uh, 
if you get drafted as an 18-year-old, two years later, even if you haven't played, you've been in the system, you've had better access to access to better training facilities, coaching and the like. You should be better. But there are still players such as John Newcomb who continue to progress at their own rate to the point of where by 20 years of age or even 19 years of age, 18 months later, um, they are ready for league football. But because we didn't draft them the first time, I was found talking to people who make the decisions. They don't want to back up over their own selections and say, missed that one. Sorry, he's really good now. Why are you laughing at me? I think that's funny. <laughs> well, people don't like to back no, up no, over their own right. mistakes. No, we always said he was no good. We're sticking with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, do you, Sam, is there any... So there have been murmurs every now and then that the AFL would like to incentivise player movement. Um, is there any trajectory <sighs> toward a, a mid-season trade? Sadly, can't put any meat on the bone with yep. this. I mean, I'd love to... I, I, I would love it. I mean, I'll, I'll look at... Clubs like Fremantle, Sando talks about that that's often the key position players, that they're awash with key backs, and just about every other club in the comp is looking for a key back. They've got Griffin Logan in and out of the side and out of contract, Pierce in it. Imagine the leverage they could get with someone like that. Todd Goldstein at North Melbourne, what Carlton might give for Todd Goldstein at the moment, given Mark Pitnett's out for several months. So I hope it just comes to pass at some point, Jared. That's all That's all I can really say on it at the moment because I think it would be magnificent. Because we've forgotten our heritage, Dermot, haven't we? <laughs> well, we, we don't want to give excuses why we can't play people. Let's give them a chance to play at the top level. Yeah. Like uh, Xavier Dersler at the moment, who's not getting a game. And there's been situations around that, of course, and he's had a bit of bad luck. And then he was a sub and then he was injured. But what if someone comes to Port Adelaide and says, we'll, we'll take Xavier Dersler and this is what we're prepared to give? It, just to change this, the, the track for a moment, during – he played his one game, Jordan Roughhead, for the year. And he got harmlessly bumped out of a marking contest at the MCG in that one game. And it was like somebody uh, had a scope on him and blow darted his shoulder from the stands. And I looked at him and went, oh, that boy's just not right. And he was grimacing. And it was an innocuous contact bump before that. And it, it did not surprise me that he said, I'm retiring on the week. That must be causing him no end of grief. Mm. League footballers like that who were used to contact, body contact, they don't grimace like that. They don't give up on the ball like that unless something is seriously wrong. And that boy still tried to play that game. Um, Full of admiration for him now in hindsight, what he tried to do that day. So bad luck. And but congratulations on a mm. on a career which got a, a, a premiership. Jordan, he was Martin. fantastic at Collingwood too. Dan, was he? He, his um, the the culture piece, the leadership, the driving of change and behaviours um, was was really impressive. Um, did a lot of work with the AFLW team, like a real club person. Yeah, um, they said that during the week that, that they were tr- going to try and find a position within the organisation for him, and that goes to speak to what you uh, yeah. uh, and then. Enunciating now is that, yeah, he's such a good character. And he, want to keep he, him he did pack it up with good form too. He, he quite often played on the opposition's best tall forward and, you know, really nullified their game. He wasn't mm. blessed with a heap of skill or, um, you know, wasn't spectacular or creative with the footy, but he was very good at playing a role. And that's, I think, what's even better was um, was the person that he was. That's what makes footy clubs. And if you get the right people in the right roles, um, you can watch your club grow and they're, they are really going to miss him. It's got a premiership in Daly, and the one thing we used to always try and do when we were recruiting was say, the first thing you'd ask Sammy was like, 
yeah, there's such and such and bloke, yada, yada, yada. Can you do this? Can you do that? Yeah, but can you see him stepping up three steps to yeah. bow his head and get a medallion Premiership, put over his head? Premiership Ruckman, then. Yeah, put over his head. Yeah, so you ask that question back in the day when you were recruiting somebody. And if, if it's a yes, I can see that happening, well, you go for him. Mm. Yeah. The flashpoints of the week coming up next on Crunch Time with Dermot Burton and Brenton Sanderson and North Melbourne has lived the week in blazing headlines as well. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism. Rewards wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. Some terrific footy to come on the Saturday of round 11. Melbourne and Fremantle in the twilight. And then in the top end, the Suns and the Hawks primary among them. Tomorrow, the features in the twilight when Collingwood and Carlton. Or in the three o'clock time slot. It's not the time. It's uh, halfway between afternoon and the twilight, isn't it? But uh, it'll draw a thumping crowd, you would imagine, to the MCG. On crunch time, Dermot Burton, Brenton Sanderson, Sam Edmund, Jared Waitley. Looking back at the events of the week before we cast an eye toward what is going to transpire in this round of footy and North Melbourne has lived the week in the headlines they having been quite credible against Melbourne you would have thought they'd come out of Marvel on Saturday and go well that's a week of relative anonymity Mm. and that's not the way it transpired Mm. not when a critical mass in your recruiting department those who lead the rebuild through talent acquisition leave for varying reasons and the club has 48 hours where they couldn't quite work out how they were dealing with it publicly before trying to circle the wagons and say, she's all okay. <laughs> I take it from a different perspective. I understand it's less, absolutely less than ideal when your recruiting department <laughs> decides to exit stage left. Not great. And whatever the reasons are, yeah, you, you you want them, you want a a core of them at least to stay. One gets poached, you can you can put up with that. Maybe one of the other two or the other two leave on a disaffected beliefs and terms. And um, thereafter, I don't think the media has played a bad role in this. But then again. When you're at a football club, my honest belief is from a football club, you don't have to be answerable to the media. You've got to be answerable to your supporters. Mm. You must talk to them. And in the old days, we had to do that through the media. So there was a bit of give and take there. Yeah, we'll give you something here. These days, you can supply your own platform, which North Melbourne attempted to do shortly after. Was that Thursday? I think they sat around. Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Just the disclaimer on that. It had been prearranged a fair way out. The the way the cards fell, it just happened to be that day. But it had been soliciting questions for that for the better part of a week. So it wasn't a direct response to this, just to point that out. And I was always of the opinion then, you don't have to run your agenda to the media's agenda. You don't have to fall at their feet and say, all right, we'll answer this question, this question, and this question. You can actually do it your way, whichever way you deem that to be. Your old forward line sparring partner had a similar take during the week on 360, Jason. Oh, the pig. Where he says they've clearly adopted the hang on tight, shut your eyes and and plough through it, deny, 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 everything's fine, all (laughs) rosy, we all love each other, we're all together. Is that Bung's... But no, he was saying, yeah. look, if it were me, I'm a bit old school. I just would have just almost ignored it. Yeah, you Business know what? As that, usual. that comes from having a coach, Alan Jeans, for so long. The two of us, there's no need to explain that, clearly they've son. gone they've gone so <laughs> far one way, and he's saying, you know, yeah. we're way back here. Yeah. Yeah. 
interesting, isn't it? Anyway. Um, if we, most of us thought at best at the halfway mark they might be two and nine at best, one and ten, something like that. They're not that far in wins lost. This is where we probably thought they were going to be. They have been getting smacked though. There is noise around the way the coach. Uh, has heavy-handedly dealt with some players. I I don't see that as a huge issue. I I, I think if you're playing league football, you've got to develop a fairly thick skin. I, I I would sort of carry on business as usual. Hey, you can make your mind up outside what's going on. We'll answer to our supporters why this has happened. Three of our key personnel have gone. It's not perfect. We don't like it. This is something we don't like but that's the way it is and we'll play on we'll keep we'll hold the course that's my feeling on on the take we are very impatient though aren't we like oh, if, shit, yeah. we um <laughs> we want if i'm if i'm a supporter of my team i want i don't want to be on the bottom for too long and it needs to be almost linear the way that we see improvement but it can be messy there can be times when you have three or four games where you lose by 60 points plus and you go to work and unfortunately your mates are just giving you a little bit of a, you know, just teasing you a little bit about where your side is on, you know, position on the ladder. But success has to come at a cost somewhere. And this is what North Melbourne, I think, are enduring at the moment. They're teaching they're teaching a style that David Noble and his team know wins finals, not just wins games or looks pretty or the players like playing. They're, they're trying to establish a style that's going to win them finals longer term. Now, I don't know how long that's going to take to get. To that point, three, five years, seven years, eight years, it's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time to wait. Um, I don't mind their midfield build. I don't mind that at all. I think well, that's term, on course. When you say midfield, so Simpkin, Davies Uniac, Horn Francis, Taron Thomas, Tom Powell, Bailey Scott, I mean, they're all very slight, slim, talented, young Davies Uniac isn't. He's a, power, yeah, he's, he's a powerful He's kid. solid. But yeah. I think what David Noble's teaching them is around clearance and contest mm. and – at the moment, they're getting pushed off the ball too easy. And it's well, this just, is what they want Greenwood for in the absence right. of, of Ben Cunnington. And potentially, they they maybe cut a bit too much off when they look back at their list management mm-hmm. decisions. You know, Which you can do. Potentially, yeah. You, you yeah. sometimes need some of those um, those old-school B-graders you know, yeah. to just do what some of the What we call the jobbers. Yeah, <laughs> just play a role and help develop these yeah. young men. But they've thrown them in the deep end, these talented young players. And if, look, look at every premiership side. Hawthorne, Geelong, Melbourne. There was a period for five or six years previous to that yeah. where they played kids and they taught them a way to play. Um, and that was all around contested possession differential, ground ball differential, which wins finals, and clearance differential against your direct opponent. So if you're going to teach that with a, a group of young men, you have to be patient with it. But in the same breath, you have to have a culture and you have to have a, an environment which is welcoming, fun, engaging, um, that players still, even though you're losing, that they Isn't it fun when you, when, you, when you perform well? I yeah. never found football fun. I enjoyed it after the game. So it wasn't that fun. Just had your head kicked in by Essendon and Roger Merritt just split your earlobe in two. But what is fun, Derm, even when you're losing, what is fun if you're around a group of 45 to 46-year-old 18 to 35 year olds that during the week the environment is great like it you know just love being in okay company. we had a loss yeah. the coach yeah. gave us a clip you know he showed us some vision of us executing our skills poorly 
Um, but then you get around each other. That's what builds really strong culture. And if you don't have that, um, well, you have to get the right. You have to you have to draft the right players, and that's the most powerful changes I've seen at footy clubs have not come from the top down. They've come from the bottom up, mm. right? So, and I was lucky enough to be at Geelong in that great era, and it wasn't the top down. It wasn't Bomber Thompson saying you guys have got to perform like this. What it was was all those young kids came in: Joel Corey, Jimmy Bartell. Steve Johnson, mm. Paul Chapman, Mackie, yeah, yeah, and they said after after his, uh, you know a season or two of performing poorly, we've had enough. We don't want to lose anymore. We're, we're actually going to change. So the players at the top end, you know, Scarlet and all those, they they're the ones that had to change Mooney. So it was it's bottom up. So and they towed the line, didn't they? Like Moon's changed his. That's no, right. he was mongrel all the we way through. We want to win. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. and and forget about you know. Sometimes we target the people at the top. It's it's these young men, and I don't want to put too much pressure on them. They are gonna they are gonna if they want North Melbourne to succeed, these young men are gonna have to force change as well. You you did a thing with your you you, you like drew in the sand, then you went you your pen in the air, you yep. drew waves about your peaks and troughs. Yep. On that graph, the top of the wave is when you're at your best. The window is open. The trough is when you're at rock bottom. The coach who picks up a team. On the downward slide, just before you hit the bottom, rarely does he hang on to that group. Yeah, yeah, you're right. At the top of the next peak, they don't make it through. Rare as hen's teeth does that coach last through that. If he doesn't pick it up at the at the trough, if he starts before then, rarely does he get enough time to see it right through to the next peak. So the questions that sit before North Melbourne that we'll be able to judge in hindsight separate to whatever has been said is are they second guessing their own recruiting in the rebuild so far? Is that inherent in what happened where they were actually happy to lose the staff that they lost during the week? Because I suspect there was a way to keep at least two of those if you really had the desire Mm -hmm. to, because we're only halfway through the task that we all agreed to. Mm -hmm. Is the environment overwhelmingly negative which we all hear enough, um, they say no, and that's entirely up to them. We'll know at the end of the year by who wants out and who's fully committed. And can they ride the back half of the season if it doesn't turn for them in sort of, in some sustenance on the scoreboard? If they suffer heavy defeats as they have through the first half of the season, what would that look like in the second half? Could they endure? There's no real metric to measure this on. You, know, you could say, I mean, they could come in two and twenty, or they could come in four and eighteen. We'd first of all, we'd straight up look at the four and eighteen if you were just going on the metrics of it and say, oh yeah, that's all right. But it might be an awful environment, or as Sando says, it could be a great environment and they win two. You, there's no real metric to measure this on. This is a feel, and the only people who know this feel are well, they throw it. North Melbourne jumper on each weekend. They're the ones who determine that. And it's their decisions to make. Ultimately, it'll swing on whether or not they are building this the right way. So people keep citing Melbourne. I, are these the Mark Neal years or are these the Paul Roos years? Mm. Yep. And in that's there, question, yeah. that, that, that's actually the crux of it. Mm. And it's only ever judged in hindsight. There's there's a bit around that the moment that has similarities to the Mark Neal years, but it may well prove to be the Paul Ruse yeah. years. But they but David both Noble, were during the rebuild phase. Yeah, David Noble was brought into the club because he was more 
uh, in his time at Brisbane, the Paul Ruse uh, style of management. And it was a management style. He wasn't coach. We can't forget that. But that's what they thought they were getting. And they might have that. We don't know unless you're in there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bloody interesting one to see how, uh, what unfolds They've just got to stay here. the course, Dan. They have Absolutely. to stay the course. And Absolutely. They have to have the right support around them, Jared. And they're going to lose. They're going to lose Zebul, Cunnington, Goldstein. They're going to lose some experienced leaders out of that group. They've brought in players like Core and Stevenson and Greenwood. It'd be nice to to pick off another one or two, you know, established, experienced mm. AFL players, but. Aiden hasn't worked for them. Just keep going for talent. Aiden Core hasn't worked for them. Stevenson hasn't worked for them. You, you have to say that Aiden hasn't been the player we thought he'd be. What that which we saw at the Giants. Stevenson's not getting a game in a team which has won one game for the season against a, a an opposition side that um, had twenty eight players out or some ridiculous amount, and he's not getting a game there. So Jaden, with all that talent, is not working for them. They've yeah, they've got to nail their mature recruits. Yeah, yeah, that's right. N- nail your mature recruits. Keep drafting great young first-round talent. Teach them how to play defense because normally, as you know, Derm, mm. the best young talent, they, their right. offense. <laughs> they're rolling down the other teach way. Them, yeah, teach them yeah. defense. When these bodies grow, keep backing them in around around clearance and contest. Um, and you've, they've, they've actually got their template. They've played some good footy this year, but they haven't played a four-quarter performance yet. Can I give a compliment to North Melbourne, though? And and I found it even back in my years. You'd run out there and they never were gloriously supported by the masses. But whether it was thunder, lightning, hail, snow, there was a core of North Melbourne supporters would turn up every week and they would make you feel like you were overprivileged, they'd turn up in their T-shirts on nine-degree days and they were there for North Melbourne and I'd take my hat off to them and they are still there. They're not getting the numbers they want. Of course, their season isn't going great, but good on those hardcore shin boners. I, I love them. I think they are fantastic. So stick in there with your club yeah. and, and, and make everybody you. else want to, want to be a, the equal of you in your support for your club. You've lived the week in the reporting trenches <laughs> on this, Sam. What are your reflections? It's just concerning what you hear, I suppose. And when we speak to people who are employed in there, we speak to people who were employed in there. And when I look at North Melbourne, and, and I know Derm, Sandy, you can speak, Jared certainly can as well. This was a club that was, for a long period of time, its one word was its culture and its people first atmosphere and environment and attitude. It wasn't the bling and the bucks and look at our facilities. It was yeah. look at our culture. And that was a lure in itself. They don't appear to have that anymore. And and I think that's the cause for so much concern. So it's not just a recruiting department. This is actually the last department that has been turned over under David Noble's regime. And there, there's reasons for that too. I mean, you can't come in to, to, to create a culture of excellence and, and, and to shift the, the fortunes at a club without making change. But we're talking 40 to 50 staff who have been turned over. I mean, the high performance that a broom put through it last September, strength and conditioning, medical, clearly the footy department, the restructural roles around the footy manager and the head of football talent. And the recruiting department was actually the last department that had been untouched during the Noble regime. So now that is about to change as well. So all the things we hear are concerning, though, that it's not a happy place to be. And it's not just about the players. It's about the staff as well. So is everyone rowing the boat at the moment? And are they motivated to row the boat in the same direction? And, and if it is, that is to change. And it's going to take a heck of a lot of work from the top down, from the bottom up, 
all those things at the moment. I, th- I think that's a real watch. But Jason or Francis, we've beaten the trenches with Jared. So, <laughs> so when it comes to him going back to Adelaide, just to simplify this quickly, this is a story that I've been working on for several weeks. I was aware of the pitfalls and the booby traps with something like this. Certainly not to overplay it, just to stick to the facts. And it did take several weeks around the time from it actually happening to the week just gone to establish the way the facts are. And the facts are that the club gave the players the Monday off after flying back from Perth. That loss to Fremantle. That decision was made on the flight back to Melbourne by David Noble and the head of footy, Dan McPherson. When they got to the airport, they literally, physically, got them in a huddle by the luggage carousel and said, you can have Mondays off. Go back and see your family. It's Mother's Day weekend. So they gave them the, if you can, go and see your mum and dad. Go and see your mum and wish her well. Jason Orn Francis took that upon himself to go and see his mum, of course. His mum lives in Adelaide. He goes home, he flies back, and then he flies back to, to, to Melbourne, unbeknownst to the club. Did he miss any any engagements with the club whatsoever? No. no. Mm. But he didn't tell the club he was going. The club didn't know he was going. There's a SADA whereabouts checks and, and, and all that. So when he did come back, they said, look, look, Jason, this is not. we're not punishing you. We're not suspending you. But you need to know that you need to tell us when you're going to Adelaide. When anyone's flying interstate, the club needs to know about it. So... And David Noble said, we sat down with him and said, there's protocols. What happens if he's drug tested and the club doesn't know his whereabouts, the club gets fined. Now that is under the ASADA drug testing protocol. Mm -hmm. So I used the term, Jared, I thought very carefully, he was caution. Now that to me says he was caution. We can get bogged down in semantics all we like. Was it a hanging offence? No. He's an 18 year old. He's learning. Even the number one pick has to learn on the go. So no one's saying it's it's the world's biggest issue, but just the fact that he went, Perth and back, that's two flights. Adelaide and back, four flights, five days, hammy tightness, a trip to Hobart coming up. He had carried a big load anyway as an 18-year-old first-year player, played every game, played in the preseason. So there's just some learning on the go with that, that's all. There's every possibility, if he had have just said, listen, I'm going to fly home to see mum. They might have let him go. Yeah, cool. Yep. Of course. Of course. So simply a reminder of your professional obligations and responsibilities, no more, no less. Is there any history of a first-round pick staying only one year? Is there Nathan? Yeah, Tom, I was going to say Tom your Boyd best mate, Boyd. Tom Boyd got blasted out of yep. the Giants by the Bulldogs. Yeah, so that's just that, that's the open question: yeah. is will one of the South Australian clubs try to do that? Or was it seven million over seven years, uh, and they blasted him out? Mm. Um, so that 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 just stands as the Tom Scully will left all after be judged two in hindsight. And that was for big money as well, up to up to the up to the Giants. So look, again, this is not unusual. The number one draft pick or a first round draft pick hasn't re-signed yet. That again, this has been twisted over time. Even if half of his draft intake from the top ten have already re-signed, some signed before that, re-signed before that, even played a game. Now that's up to his management, Ben Williams, to decide what the best play is. The story was more that they were at the negotiating table. The conversation was happening. North Melbourne, for their part, thought they were really close to getting Jason to put pen to paper on an extension. And then for reasons that only Jason and his management know, they chose to step back from that. So that that is the origin. That is what makes it an interesting point of view, that they're clearly biding their time now towards the end of the year, at the end of the year, and who knows where it goes from here. So we say there are no external metrics. There are a few internal metrics. That signature on that contract is a metric. That'll tell us a lot about what we need to know. Yeah, but if I was his management, given how good the kid is, I'd say don't sign. And kid might have the conversation with, with management and say, well, I don't really want to go anywhere. Yeah, we know that. But this is what I you're paying me to do. And I'll get you more money by not signing right now. I'll get you a better deal. So, so if he's not, he might be North Melbourne's best player come round twenty-two. 
There's every and chance. Then, well, he's definitely going to be it within about 30 games. Hmm. So you're talking but then in the interim, 12. surely you're duty bound if if you are Adelaide, Port Adelaide, to ask the question, to keep the line of communication, to open of the dialogue with his mate. Hey, you're duty bound to ask the question if you're Geelong, yep. <laughs> Carlton. You, all be... You've got to ask the question. But I, I would see it at this point in time as management, his management, is saying we will find you a better deal at this club. That's common sense. How did you see the AFL Players Association discussion, Dermot, or which was triggered by Sammy? Sam Fisher? Yeah, which yeah. feels to me like the wrong case study on which to mount the the broader question. This Sam Fisher's circumstances don't match the fell between the gaps. Yeah, and nor is it. This is not a football issue. I think once you get to a certain degree of criminal charge, mm. he goes. Actually, this has nothing to do with football. Well put. To give you, uh, uh, as a listener right now, a feeling what it is like, uh, I was a 31-year-old man coming out of football, going for an operation, and they said, how do you want to pay? And I said, I don't know. I've never done this before. I've had plenty of operations, but I don't fix up this side of it. Well, you're better now, and you better learn, because it's your responsibility now. Um, Oh, your car's out of registration. Well, where do I pay that? <laughs> These sorts of things. That's what a mm. transition is uh, for lifestyle, a transition into a meaningful source of employment after AFL. That's a transition. The transition of between what is right and wrong in a legal sense for nefarious activity, that is not a transition of a footballer. Those notions were planted well before I believe Sam finished his football career. There is a time when you must accept responsibility for your own actions. Uh, and I've heard some people say, you know, did we do enough and what and the likes. Um, and he won't mind me saying, he's a very good friend of mine, Scott Waters, and he spoke to Sam in one of the years he was coaching there and, and Sam said, I'm going away with person X, Y and Z to Vegas. And Scotty said, I do not want you to go with those people. And the conversation ensued, for, you know, you can work that out. And he said, no, I am telling you, I do not want you to go. And he was pretty heavy-handed with him. Anyway, he took his own responsibility and he went away with person X, Y and Z, which displeased the coach very, very much. Now, that is someone within the organisation trying to stipulate, but then there is the situation of the player, his own personal rights, overrode that of the coach at that time. Now, that means he has taken responsibility for his own actions. That has nothing to do with, did we do enough to help him? Because he was given guidelines and requested to make certain actions or not make those actions. Um, once again, I've, I've met Sam a couple of times. He seems a really nice fellow. I feel sorry for him. He finds himself in this horrible existence right now. Um, but I don't think the Players Association has that big a role to play in this scenario. But Derm, back when we were playing, it was a long time ago, yeah. there was no support offered to players. Zero. Yeah, zero. Yeah. You um, were out, you were gone and... Done. Yeah. Um, it's so much better now. Like, Absolutely. Um, and it's the responsibility of the individual, yes. But the clubs are playing a much more important role now than what they ever have before. 
We started with one player welfare manager. Mm. Now there's three at most clubs, okay? Uh, there's a lot more education around life outside of the bubble of the football club. Um, each player has a player manager. They play a massive part now in ensuring that these young men, um, like you said, term, are um, not squeaky clean off of the field, but they're living a life that is reflective of a professional athlete. Um, there's also the responsibility of the Players Association who educate and um, um, have an induction program for the players when they come into the system. Um, and also to the clubs on the way they exit the player out of the organisation as well. Mm. So as I said, a generation ago, there was zero. There is so much more in place now. So it's improved, you know, a thousand percent. Um, but unfortunately, and it's society, there is going to be incidences like this. And like you said, Derm, Sam Fisher is, um, was, or is such a nice young man. Mm. And this is so sad to read or to, to obviously hear what's happened to him. It's, it's heartbreaking to think that um, that it's that it's ended up this way. We get back to that wonderful word again, and it, it comes in all forms: leadership. And I I do know, and he's gee, some of the greatest people I've met as people, persons. Uh, it comes from football, and in the top handful, Ian Dicker, when he came to the club, he made a charter, a mantra, and we're talking late nineties. Every player who goes through this club must walk out the door a better person than he walked in, and that was his mantra. At, at one stage, we had 43 players on the list, 42 – I won't say who the 43rd was, just, just playing for They either had to have their own uh, business outside, um, involved in activities to, to better their lifestyle, or they had to be making tertiary education. Yeah. 42 out of 43 we had. So you, you'd – you are always trying to improve your people. Uh, and I'll say this, Daniel Tick, when he left Hawthorne, a fantastic young man. He was 12 months out of being the best and fairest, financially successful, happily married, uh, a fitness fanatic, and he left to go back to West Australia in that state. Mm. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australia Tourism. Rewards Wonder, visit southaustralia.com. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. On Crunch Time, we're gearing up for the games today thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. As understated re-signings of coaches (laughs) go, Sam, Edmund Geelong have set a new standard with Chris Scott, a contract that I think was signed about a month ago. It was the second last paragraph in a... A longer release about something else. Uh, signed however long ago, and I reckon there was a bit of Chris Scott that just thought, stuff you all. We'll announce it when we're good and ready. I'm sick of the questions. It's two years, so he's set to become Geelong's longest-serving coach, which is by the end of the, the contract come 2024, which is a magnificent achievement. He's been cont- he's at a side that's been contending year upon year. But the curiosity over this one, finally the questions can cease, Jared, because I think we'd been talking about this since the summer, and finally, pen to paper, Two-year contract. What will that give him a total? When did he get? When did he get the top job? Uh, 2011. Two thousand eleven. Eleven. Yep. So thirteen-year tenure, minimum. Mm. Yeah. And just surpassed Red Hickey for the most number of wins as Geelong coach. Will he get his own stand then? <laughs> <laughs> Should the Chris Scott stand? <laughs> so he's got a sixty-eight percent winning record from two hundred and seventy-one games, which is pretty darn good. Forty-six yeah. years of age. I, 
I don't know. There's been all sorts of murmurings around, you know, the nitty gritty and, and Steve Hawking saying things like we, we might want him to put in more face time with the corporates and the members at the club. So it is interesting, though, because his approval rating with the fan base for, for a 68% winning record probably doesn't match, does it, Jared? It's a strange thing. We, we, we demand so much as supporters, don't we? And he gets to a preliminary final. Not enough. Gets to a grand final. Not enough. We, you have to win the premiership, or we're turning on you. It's it's been an, an it's a curious relationship between Chris Scott and the Geelong. Yeah, fan like base. the top four finishes are, are like nothing we've ever seen. The consistency of remaining in contention, um, and th- I think that's the best measure of of his tenure there. But it is. I, I mean, the, you can trace the first. The deal was agreed to in November. <laughs> And then it's taken until late May for it to be actually confirmed. Oh. So why everyone announces the re-signing or the signing of a coach? Everyone. What's the motivation for not announcing this? As I said, I'm not sure. If if it, if it has been locked in some four to six weeks ago, maybe it's Chris. Well, Scott you're on here for your opinion. Well, Give your opinion. Well, he's, he's probably like stuff, yeah. We'll announce it when we're good and ready. It's but We know he's been... <laughs> He's really private about it. He doesn't like talking about it. It's his personal business. I'm sure there's 17 other coaches who are private about it, but they get it put out there within two hours. Can't answer. Can't answer. Can't answer. It's a great curiosity. <laughs> it is. Other than the fact that it's been coming and been coming and been coming. You're holding out on us here, Jerry. Uh, no, I don't know the answer. Uh, it is curious, though, and that um, Chris has sort of treated it as a formality all the way through. Yeah. Like, never a moment's hesitation, but not not confirming. Is there a mini protest in this of sorts? Um, who who would he who would the protest be against? I don't know, but he's always got a, an axe to grind somewhere. <laughs> Keeps him sharp. <laughs> well, do, do he's got an amazing record. Yeah. So, yeah. Will it be his last contract at Geelong? Well, he's, you say he's is he the longest serving now he, or at the conclusion he, of this? He, he will be. It's a hard one. I I have this theory that. <laughs> Um, the voice gets the message gets stale. That's and that's just my opinion. Um, but he's going to get a whole new generation of players come through in his watch as well. So you just got to keep reinventing yourself. That's what I love about um, Longmire, about Horse Up in mm. Swans. He just gets a new group in and they change their game style and it always seems fresh. And I think um, Chris so if Scott's you're going to stay, stay really long. Yeah, like Kevin Sheedy, but um, <laughs> but keep change. Like you have to keep evolving. You have to keep the freshness. You have to keep um, changing your game style. And they did it this year. We, we've seen a different style of attack. What happened last year? They obviously put a full stop on it. We were all craving it. Um, can we see Geelong execute a different sort of game style? And we just got to see these young kids come through now because we'll see the end of Selwood, the end of Hawkins. We'll see the end of. Uh, the it, other it, seven or eight players over 30, um, and we'll, we'll be exciting to see the next group come through. This is yeah. what's so fascinating, though, for Chris Scott. If you put yourself in his shoes, like the list is going to undergo some pretty significant change. The bar is obviously set so high at Geelong, and he's almost done that himself, that they want more upon more. How many offers would he have had over time, and how tempting must it have been for him to think, oh, if I sign a long-term deal at, hypothetically, Gold Coast, then that ensures my long-term coaching legacy. If I want to be a career coach... Perhaps the, the noose is, is not so close at a new club. You know what I mean? You see what I'm mm. sort of getting? And I, because he, surely he would have had approaches over the years. I think it would be a driving factor. Coaches are weird animals. Yeah, and I don't think we're I was a coach, Dem. I'm not that weird. You're slightly <laughs> weird, Sandos. Just slightly. That's why you got out of it. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would think that 
there's always been talk. Chris inherited a great team and he won a premiership. Yeah. Has he won his own premiership? And and look, that's that's unfair. See, that's that unfair. notion. That's so that, unfair. That notion is desperately the unfair. The way that, that season ended prior to him taking over, they were no chance. The, the ga- the I'm game agreeing the, with you. I'm talking yeah. about the notion yeah. that was out there. You've still got a coach, and it, uh, as we've seen, a lot can go wrong mm. in 40 weeks of the, the football year. Um, I think there is a want to put it to bed to actually win something, which you can def- definitively say, this is mine from go to way. Every player has been cultivated by me. This style was cultivated mm. by me. Now, it's probably unfair to draw it on that, but there, I don't know if he's motivated by that. I'm kind of thinking out loud about this at this point. His CV, no, though, his CV yeah. is full, like it's complete. And the only thing, Dem, that you said it's potentially missing is that ability to be able to take um, a side in the bot- bottom four or five and then, you know, see the – See, see the improvement. It's got but, an extraordinary record, though, isn't it? The, yeah. The yep. top-end success. Unbelievable. His record yeah. is, you know, his winning percentage is amazing. But as Sam said, I think he would comfortably walk into any other side in the competition whenever he wanted. Um, his CV is that good, and he's a great coach. He's a great coach, as simple as that. Have you had had, had reason to spend any time in the same room as him? In no, the no, coaching I was there. In, I was there in 2011. Yeah, so I oh, um, I was yeah. in the I was his assistant. Um, yeah, and I went, I went for the what same job. What makes him a great coach? What makes him a fantastic coach? Oh, he's tactically incredible. Like uh, strategic structure, strategy, um, and he's always worked on relationships. That was probably the area that he you know was open about ensuring that because he was so. You know, I remember him and. His brother playing, they were mm. they were animals on the field. They were incredible, um, really hard on their teammates. Yeah. So yeah, it was. Uh, but now I think he yeah, he's so well respected, so well liked, great coach. Um, but I, I'll say it again: the staleness. Like, and you remember if you if you've had a job for 12, 13 years, yeah. you get up, you do the same thing, you get in the car, you go to the same street, you stop at the same coffee shop. You have to keep reminding yourself to be relevant and keep adjusting. You always got to stay ahead of the curve. So and he is creative. He keeps bringing new things to the table. So, um, you know, we've seen what how Blitzav. There's so many examples. You know, Blitzav's going behind the ball as a wingman and a ruckman, and the way they defend, the way Duncan plays as a half forward coming up the ground. So there's there's countless examples of that. And um, yeah, he he'll be remembered as one of the great, oh, obviously one of the great Geelong coaches. He's an interesting one when you talk about the list. Once they mm. keep churning through it, Mark Blitzav's. He's such a good athlete. You don't think of him as a 30-year-old. How many years has he got left? Oh, well, he, he played. He had a, he, he was he forced sh- to play ruck the other week and yeah. dominated. Yeah. I mean, he's, he could play for another five years. Couldn't yeah, he, yeah, and I was thinking last night about the likes of David Mundy and Sean Burgoyne. What they have done is extraordinary for the position they play. They're so much, so constantly in the area where you're getting constant body contact and pounding. How many plane flights for David Mundy? It is amazing, yeah. isn't it? Well, so like, with Blitzarves then, has he got another, at 30 years of age, has he got another six years? Or has he got another two or three? Oh, he, well, his body looks like he's got five to six. More inclined yeah, to believe the former. Yep. Yeah. So let's do a little bit of Fremantle, shall we? So they've lost the two in a row at... What was the testing game against Melbourne is now the bounce-back game for Juravej providing erosion control and environmental revegetation. They can, without doing much more wrong, they can completely lose their place over the next two weeks against Melbourne and Brisbane, or mm. they can reassert themselves. These were the weeks we were waiting for, and they've lost two 
on their way there. It makes them such an interesting... Yeah. Well, I, I think this is the game that Fremantle really need. Test himself against the Premier side in the competition. They've had two average weeks. They only scored 44 points against Collingwood last week. And the week before, they only scored 33 points against the Suns. And I, I'm not concerned about that as much. And people will say they've, they've, they've got to adjust their offence and they were two wet games. But for me, they're so built around front half of uh, front half turnovers and scoring on the back of defense they're a defense first side um, they're number three tackling side they're the number one side in the competition at preventing inside 50s mm. they're playing against Melbourne this week who are ranked one at inside 50s they play the same game this is going to be an amazing game to see unfold because they're very similar styles um, Melbourne number three in offense uh, so they obviously score at will they're a fantastic side to watch we know that they are the benchmark this is the test that Fremantle need today. And they've they've so heavily invested in this front half offense game. If it doesn't work, I've got to see a plan B today. I've got to see them execute a successful plan B because the last two weeks when they haven't got front half turnovers against Collingwood and the Gold Coast Suns, they've been really badly beaten. Yeah. Um, so that's the challenge for, for Justin Longmuir and his side today. Get that front half defense working, be more aggressive, keep the pressure going, turn the ball over in our front half and score, um, and we can really test Melbourne. We can really test them. Clearly, uh, Petrarca and Oliver, along with Gorn, are just a monstrous trio. Are they capable of almost breaking even in the middle? Yeah, and this is what I would be doing this week if I'm the midfield coach at Fremantle, and I'm getting my young players, Brody, Brayshaw, Sarong, um, Tucker, Clark, these are all kids. And they're having a really good, they're all having great seasons. Uh, boys, this week you're going against Oliver, Petraka, Viney, um, Max Gorn. So this is why you have several people in the coach's box, because I, you're thinking that way. I'm automatically thinking, no, let's put the pigs in there against these folks. <laughs> let's put the big-bodied in against them and then let the kids have a crack at them in the second half when we might yep. be able to run with them. Yep. Now, good call, Dan. However, those young kids that I mentioned, they've got spread and hunt from contest. So, yes, um, we're going we're going up against the best clearance side in the competition, um, Melbourne. But we're the third best. Okay. Now we're looking for that title. We're looking to be number one. So yeah. let's go after them. So the young boys. Challenge. Yeah. There yeah, comes yeah. a time when you got to take the mantle, and it happened. You at Hawthorne, Dan. They always had your challenges. They're always coming after you, no matter what. Yeah. Um, there's a young side today, and they've got to be hungry. They've got to try and take that mantle. So if that conversation goes on in the box between line coach, co- line coaches and senior coach, let's say the line coaches all believe they want to change it a certain way and the senior coach, who wins? Uh, no, no, always the senior coach. Always has the final say. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like today they've been struggling to score from stoppage, Fremantle. Yep. Um, I think this is the test today, you know, and – I think they need a bit more what, – what's been struggling a little bit on that is Darcy. Darcy's been in, in and out of the side. They yeah. can't quite get him right injury-wise. But that's going to be a great contest today, Max Gorn versus Darcy in the ruck. I think that's going to be fantastic. We're gearing up for all the action today for Dometic. Make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack, and go. You're listening to Crunch Time for South Australian Tourism. Perfect for those who want a little more this winter. Visit southaustralia.com. Who needs a rev up? 
for Harley Heaven. The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. Visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. The rev up for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson. I just think the rev up is is Carlton and Collingwood. Every aspect of it. It's already been revved. The crowd, the standing two teams. room signs up at the moment. How good is it? It's a return so to just exciting. a capacity crowd. So good, isn't it? Two arch rivals. Oh, this is going to be a great game. I'm older than you, blokes. So I grew up <laughs> in the 70s, a Collingwood supporter. First, my idol was Peter McKenna, then Len Thompson, then fabulous Phil Carmen. I grew up. Dreading and hoping for the Carlton Collingwood games. I just loved watching. Even league teams with Lou Jack and Bob, the start the only footage they used was the actual fight between <laughs> Carlton and Collingwood at Princess Park. That was their play on. The fights, Jared. No highlights of marks and the likes. They used the fight. And that was the rivalry, and it came from a hundred years ago. The Carlton used to look down on the carrying bush and the likes. I grew up. This was the rivalry, the rivalry of VFL yeah. back in the day. Partly cloudy, sixteen, no wind, cold pies. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I wonder who's going to get Ginevan this week because he's sucking him in by the week at the oh. moment. The young fella. I reckon. I reckon Switzkowski. Switkowski was really angry at him for trying to draw a head-high tackle and thought, I'll put a bit of mayonnaise on this tackle. Here, cop a chicken wing for a second. Ryan Mansell before that as well. He's he's sucking him in. (laughs) I think that's the tactic, though. You've got to try and get – I mean, the only thing I'm concerned about with Collingwood is their ability to score. So Mm. my check and Ginevan, obviously, the two highest goal scorers of the year. The big challenge, though, is going to be around contest. So – Blues are just so good this year around contest. Head-to-head with their opposition, they've won contested possession nine out of ten games. So their midfield is stacked. Cripps, Hewitt, Kennedy, Chera, Walsh. That's the challenge for the Pies this week. You know who's been very well, good and sort of you're not even thinking about? Whether win, lose, or draw the, the, the hit, De Koning's ability oh, to yeah. land on two feet and follow the ball up is first grade. He's like a clearance player at ground level. At the centre bounce, when there's only seven other occupants in there, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Matt, Matt Kennedy not playing, right? So he's got a core quad. So he's a rev up for Paddy Dow, who hasn't had things work his way. He's been injured at the worst times. Had a couple of things go against him. He's had one game this year as the sub. Here's his chance. High draft pick. Might be playing for his future at Carlton. This is his chance to really take the bull by the horns and do something. Dreamtime 70,000, Anzac Day 84,000. So I expect this to land somewhere in that range. You think more than Anzac Day? I'm They'll going north, of, I'm going north of 84. Yeah. yeah, me too. Well, if, they, if, the, if they're going to show up as the tickets have been sold, then they're going north of 84. It'll be a really interesting... Each week's a case study and where are we with yeah. crowds. So this is a, it's a good game and a good yeah. time to get yep. that measure. Exactly. All right. Uh, turn your daily commute into a daily thrill-seeking adventure at Harley Heaven, Melbourne, Ringwood and Dandenong. Time now for a little dabble. Enjoying Crunch Time Banter? Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Josh Jeans is with us. Jared and Josh, I hear on the grapevine there's some big names rolling through Dabble HQ this week. Yeah, absolutely. The biggest definitely being Andrew Bogut, just because of his height, essentially. Uh, He's been doing very well on the NBA playoffs. And Angry Dad's joined Dabble. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his videos, are you? 
No, I'm not, I've got to say. Oh, it's showing your age there, Sam. Uh, Mark Orville, the uh, former Collingwood Pie, he's uh, joined. He hit a $71 uh, roughie the other day, which has to be a record for your first ever bet. And, of course, Heath Shaw's got another exclusive bet, King and Larky, to combine for seven goals. That's paying $2. Any thoughts there? Uh, look, I just want to get onto the main course, Josh, and that is what we are doing <laughs> here at SCN. Can we just cut to the chase? What have we got? What are we winning with this week? All right. You got the Cats. You got the Lions. You got the Demons by over 40 against the Dockers, which is an interesting one. Yes. Uh, the Dogs by over 40 as well, and the Suns. Any thoughts there? Sounds like a winning recipe to me, if I'm being totally <laughs> honest. Now, Derm's not Mate, here, but as well, usual, Derm yeah. has loaded me up with his... He's gone deep again, the great man, the five-day, five-night. So he's got a goal-scoring go. multi and a result multi. So he's two multis. We'll start with the first one. Dawson, anytime mm-hmm. goal scorer versus Geelong. Canelio, anytime goal scorer versus Brisbane. And Maxi Gorn, anytime goal scorer against Fremantle. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to listen to him go through it. You can just jump on the app and see what he's done, Jeremy. So download the app, follow Crunch Time AFL, follow Jeremy23. Go on, have a dabble, dabble socially and gamble responsibly. Thanks, Sam. Thanks a lot, Josh. Enjoying Crunch Time banter. Check out Dabble Banter Channels and copy Crunch Time Bets. Go and have a dabble, gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. So the other game that we should zero in on, so Gold Coast have got these two weeks in Darwin and their first matches against Hawthorne. Now, the Hawks are coming off the win over the Brisbane line, so that's the best of the Mitchell era. There's huge upside for the Suns if they can pick off in consecutive weeks Hawthorne and North Melbourne. Mm-hmm. I think this is a fantastic game tonight. This is the hardest game of the round to tip. Yep. You've got a young, vibrant team in, in the Gold Coast Suns, and you've got a team which their want is to score, the Hawks. So <laughs> taking on – yeah, you do teach defence into players – but the hardest thing to teach players is how to kick a score. So Sammy's flipped it around a little bit, saying, I'm going to teach these boys how to score. Yep. I can turn, I used to say, you can turn any gorilla, monkey into a gorilla and play him down back. Let's get the scoring right first. So he's flipped it around a little bit. You're going to take some punishment along the way. And the Suns, which he might just be too big for anyone in the Hawks camp to handle. It's he's such a, a wonderful player, and when they get it right, they get it very right. The Suns, it all blends in very well. I mean, they were fantastic for their time last week in Ballarat. Um, uh, 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 the big what's his name, damn fullback, who was scrutinised by Ben Collins. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's oh. a he's a wonderful, isn't it? Well, we talked about the strange. draft. That was the yeah. strangest moment of the week. Yeah, we talk about the draft and who's out there. Isn't it hard to fathom that a boy that size, that big, can go not be drafted at the start? And then after he's let go after some pretty serviceable games mm. at Fremantle to go another year before somebody takes a punt on him. Uh, you just look at him now and say, how did we miss that? Once again, Jared, they wouldn't back up over their own mistake. Surely Jared Witz is licking his chops. I mean, they've gone yeah. with Jacob Kaczynski, the Hawks. They had a fun game uh, on Sports Day during the week. If you could dust off a Hawthorne Ruckman from yesteryear, who would it be? <laughs> would it be the fish? Would it be Don? Imagine Don up there in Darwin just throwing his weight around. Turn around, around and bloody face me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Don, and I remember that game. It was against... <laughs> Gary Dempsey, and Dempsey put the boot up and he put it right into the groin of Don and Don went down and then 
he yelled at him, face me, face me like a man. And he did. And he did it again and Don went down again. <laughs> uh, good crunching. Um, Friday night footy's got us underway. I wonder what the rest of round 11 has to hold. Brenton Sanderson, thank you. Thank you, Jared. Thanks, boys. Sarah Burn, excellent Pleasure. debating term. Great fun. Enjoyable. Sam Edmonds, uh, enjoy your weekend. Have a good day, lads. All right, so that sets us up for Saturday footy as we bring crunch time to a close. For South Australia Tourism, Rewards Wonder. Visit southaustralia.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.